بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونتوب لله من سيئات أعمالنا ونعوذ به من شرور أنفسنا فإنه حقا من يهدي الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل الله فلا هادي له ونصلي ونسلم ونبارك على محمد النبي الخاتم الأمين وعلى آله وأصحابه ومن اتبعه بإحسان إلى يوم الدين اللهم ربي اللهم ربي إني أتبرأ إليك من حولي وقوتي وعلمي فاللهم أنت القوي القادر وأنت العالم النافع اللهم افتح لنا أبواب فضلك وأنوار هديك برض عنا وبارك لنا يا علي العظيم We begin in the name of Allah the merciful, the compassionate and we beg for Allah's guidance And we recognize the limits of ourselves and the limits of our aspirations and the limits of our wishfulness and the limits of our intellect. Without the grace of God, we become lost, unable to anchor ourselves on a path of certitude and diligence. We need the guidance of Allah. We need the guidance of Allah. Like existence itself needs the bond of the ethereal. Like creation is dependent on the laws that constitute it. Without acknowledging that we are but a manifestation of such a small part of creation. 95% of creation is not visible to the eye are not measurable by our scientific instruments and it is foolish and arrogant for us to believe that our will can dominate existence when it can only perceive and exist in such a small percentage 
of what is the Quran is a book that speaks to us in every part of our life and its instructions and lessons and parables are our guiding post. It is what reminds us when we are at risk of losing ourselves. And in these days, for a variety of reasons that I will comment on, I am reminded of Allah's revelation Allah reminds us of an ethical reality that if your heart is really the heart of a believer, you will find that you are unable to drop Islam itself from the equation of your relations in existence. So Allah says in Surah Al-Mujadala, you will not find, you will not find means it should not be, that those who truly believe in Allah and the Prophet to find themselves in a friendly, amicable, amiable relationship with those who are sworn enemies to God and the Prophet. Even if those sworn enemies are their parents, are their children, are their tribe, For if, in truth, you have disciplined your ethos to define your relationships in terms of giving priority where priority is due, you will find that this testifies to the place of Iman in your heart. And furthermore, for taking a principled position, because every principled position has enormous costs in life, there is no principled position that doesn't come with costs. For bearing that cost, what you receive in turn is the 
aid, the support, the backing of Rawhillah, the spirit, the spirit, meaning the blessing, the grace from Allah. SubhanAllah, I'm reminded of this particularly in this day and age. In this day and age when so much becomes confused and unprincipled in the minds of people. We all know, we all know that through the rise of Trump in power and as Trump rose in power, he made it a regular practice to malign Islam and to attack Muslims. We know that he associated himself and his clique with people who have had long records of being committed and dedicated Islamophobes. People like Michael Flynn and Walid Faris and the like. We all know that. But I cannot erase from my mind something that until recently, a sheikh that was supposed to be an, an, an authority in Islam or some type of, or have at least moral weight, and that is Sheikh Sudais, one of the imams of Al-Haram al-Makki, one of the imams of the, of the Haram, Mecca and a famous reciter of the Qur'an and someone that people, many people have his recitation of the Qur'an and listen to it. But I cannot forget a statement he said once in praise of Trump that the world will be in the good hands of the dual leadership of Wali Al-Ahd, MBS, Muhammad bin Salman, and Trump. And either Sudais knows of Trump's legacy as an Islamophobe and chose to ignore it, or what is even more disastrous for someone who claims to be a sheikh is that he would not know, is that he's so limited in his epistemological reach that he is not living in the modern world in which we live and has no knowledge of Trump's long record in Islamophobia. But people reflect upon this historical moment because it has profound implications.
it has profound implications. The Imam that is supposed to be in theory the embodiment of all that Al-Haram Sharif is supposed to represent praises an Islamophobe as the just ruler, co-ruler of the world. Add to this the image of the King of Saudi Arabia and the President of Egypt in the famous picture, the duel with Trump as their third putting their hand on a lit globe as they announce the new center placed in Riyadh or in Saudi Arabia in general for fighting Islamic extremism, an alliance between the most populous Muslim country in the Arab world, Sisi, and the king of Saudi Arabia, the guardian or the servant of the two holy shrines with an Islam with a famous Islamophobe. Politics cannot justify the immoral. To say, well, they do this for political reasons. If Islam has a purpose, it is to call back and hearken back people to their moral fiber, especially in contexts in which people are tempted to forget about morality and ethics. So it is precisely in politics that the voice of the Quran should speak the loudest, because that is the arena where people have the greatest temptation to forget about the voice of Allah and the voice of ethics. It is an irony that someone like Sudeus, who for decades, him and the Wahhabi school inundated us, flooded us with Aqidat al-Wala wal-Bara the principle that not only should you not befriend or ally yourselves with enemies of Allah and the Prophet, with Islamophobes, but even Wala'u al went much further than that and said that it is haram to even befriend a Muslim, a Christian, just for being a Christian, or a Jew, just for being a Jew. Leave alone a Shia, just for being a Shia. This is the creed which people like Sudeus taught for many decades before they discarded it and threw it away so conveniently when it came to an infamous Islamophobe like Trump and his administration. If that doesn't give you pause there is something deeply flawed in your relationship with Allah. 
if that doesn't make you think we are at a historical moment that needs an attentive pause, needs a moment where you think about new ways of doing things and new ways of thinking. I don't know what would. You had Allah wa Rasulah. You had means someone who is an enemy, someone who hates Allah and the Prophet. It is as if these verses were written for the Trump and the likes. But yet, Trump was a gift and is a gift to the authoritarian despots of the world. No one celebrated the election of Donald Trump as much as the despots of the world and the bigots of the United States, especially the bigots of Islamophobia. If you go to Mecca and Medina untroubled by the fact that the so-called guardian of the holy sites and the imam of the holy sites is a friend, a buddy of the biggest Islamophobe with power today, then we have a problem. Now, why do I mention this at this time? I mention this because every passing day reminds me of the amount of damage that Islamophobia has done at every level of the fabric of society. It is nearly endless, endless, I'm not even going to talk about the famous examples, such as genocide against the Rohingyas or what is happening to Muslims in China, or even incidents where those who are Muslim or thought to be Muslim were attacked, injured, or killed. I'm going to talk about even the more subtle unseens, indirect consequences of Islamophobia. A case came to me recently. Muslims have a car accident. Because of that car accident, the children of these Muslim couple die in the accident. In talking to his wife on the phone, the Muslim bereaved father says in Arabic, something that is a common expression among Muslims. May Allah compensate us. May Allah give us better. May Allah reward us. It happened to be that the state was listening in on their phone calls. 
And they read this, they saw this, as a father celebrating the deaths of his children. And this Muslim ended up finding himself under criminal charges for murdering his children. This is the sinister, indirect impact of Islamophobia. You already have a state prosecutor who is suspicious simply because this is a Muslim family. And when he hears what sounds like a prayer, the very nature of racism and bigotry makes you in a state of dread and being guarded and suspicious of a people that you don't understand. And so it like when once a pilot, a pilot of an Egyptian plane said as the plane was going down, which means we seek Allah's aid. The way the U.S. heard this prayer is that he declared a jihad and that he must have crashed the plane intentionally. This is the, the pe deeply penetrating impact of Islamophobia upon our society. Take another example. There is litigation going on right now about an ongoing practice that has expanded drastically under the Trump administration. A practice known as the Muslim watch list. The government, under the Patriot Act, has the power to put any Muslim it wishes without judicial insight, oversight, without any accountability on any Muslim, on a watch list. And once you are placed on this watch list, the government has special legal powers to spy on you, to invade your privacy, to bug your home, to sneak and peek, to enter your home without ever notifying you and take a sneak at what, everything you're doing. But even more, even if you are a U.S. citizen, the government has the right, well, gave itself the right, that once you exit the country to refuse to let you in back in again, even if you are a citizen, as long as they claim you are a risk to national security. Thousands of Muslims have found themselves on this watch list for reason and no reason. And thousands of Muslims have gone somewhere, whether on vacation or to see family or to even on business, and upon trying to enter the United States, they were told, you are on a watch list, 
you are a threat to national security, we're not allowing you into your country again. And they had to retain lawyers, and the litigation going on right now is to try to force the government to even give some explanation as to why they chose to put some people on the watch list. Of course, the litigation is brought by people who are on the watch list. And the sad thing is, the government is under no obligation to even tell you whether you are on the watch list. So the only way you can find out is that if you leave the country and try to enter again and they tell you this one. And for many Muslims, contrary to the bigotry of Islamophobia, for many, many, many Muslims, the U.S. is their only country. It's not like they can go elsewhere. So they're really stranded, unable to go anywhere. As they fight in court to get the right to enter into their country again. This is the impact of Islamophobia. This is the sinister effect of Islamophobia. This is the poison of Islamophobia. And when you have the president of our country proudly being an Islamophobe, that's a disaster. But what is even a bigger disaster is when he does not receive the message that being an Islamophobe will at least earn you the anger or displeasure of Muslims around the world. In fact, he can find that he can malign Allah and the Prophet as much as he wants. He can destroy the lives of Muslims as much as he wants and then be considered a beloved ally by the symbolic representatives of the holy sites. This is a disaster. A disaster at every level. Imagine if a president of a country maligned Jews in an anti-Semitic way and then Israel would welcome that president with open arms and celebrates him and rewards him with billions of dollars in contracts. It is unthinkable. It is unthinkable. Jews would be outraged. It would not happen then what happened to the Muslim psyche that our sense of dignity and pride is so broken that we do not demand more of our representatives, symbolically at least. The remarkable thing is that Islamophobia has even penetrated 
to our college campuses and classrooms in the United States. As we speak today, I can tell you that every respectable Islamic studies program in the country is under siege by a class of professional bigots and racists represented in organizations like Campus Watch and the Clarion Project and so on and so forth. Even in my own school at UCLA, want to share with all those who listen to the khutbah recent events that just speak volumes. There is a famous Islamophobe, a professional full-time bigot and racist called David Horowitz. David Horowitz like Daniel Pipes and Robert Spencer, are full-time provocateurs. They, are, they make a living. Enough wealthy people have donated money so that people like David Horowitz can make a living going around inciting hatred towards Islam and Muslims. And they call that freedom of speech. So, Horowitz was coming to speak at UCLA. He was invited by a well-represented clique and lobby of Islam haters and racists at UCLA. And part of what Horowitz said <coughs> is to attack any student Palestinian organization and any Muslim student organization as supporters of terrorism, supporters of Hamas, supporters of Hezbollah, supporters of whatever. But the point is, is to malign any Muslim organization as supporters of terrorism and anti-Semites. So David Horowitz started putting posters and his supporters putting posters around campus denouncing Muslim organizations and denouncing Palestinian organizations on campus. A chancellor of diversity named Jerry Kang, who's not a Muslim, but is a man of conscience, understood that slander against students is not conducive to an educational environment. So he ordered the posters taken down. As a result, there is currently ongoing a vicious campaign against this man, Jerry King. A vicious campaign that even contacts donors to UCLA and tells them not to donate money anymore until Jerry, because how dare he stand up for the rights of Muslim students on campus. What 
irks me and what bothers me the most is that yes Jerry Tang is a man of conscience and he did what he did because he's a man of conscience but where are Muslims where are Muslims supporting their own cause? The Islamophobes have published a four-part malicious, vicious diatribe against Jerry Kang. Um, they mentioned me as well in their latest article. But where is the Muslim response? And I'm not talking about the response of little undergraduates that basically have no sophistication and no skill and they basically just you know get together and say oh this is horrible but at what point do we realize that islamophobia has poisoned the well so much so that there is no muslim and i say this with all intention there is no Muslim except those that Allah has saved from this fate that doesn't have a bit of doubt that has entered their heart about their own faith because of Islamophobia. The accusations of Islamophobia has become so much a part of common culture that I've said it in another context and I'll say it again that for the vast majority of Muslims even when they do their Salah their Salah is less serene and truthful it, to one extent or another because of Islamophobia Muslims must start by cleaning house. Muslims must start by saying, if you are a Muslim and you claim that you are on the side of Allah and the Prophet, we do not accept that you extend a loving, friendly hand towards an Islamophobe. We do not accept it. When MBS invites a famous evangelical Islamophobic group to visit him and sits with them and chats with them as if they're the guardians of tolerance. Or when Sisi has done the same. And we denounce you. And we say that you don't represent us and you don't represent Islam. Because, and we no longer believe in anything that you say about Islam because we have seen the truth about you. Second, for those who Allah has given money, know that every dollar that you keep in your bank account that could have been spent to fight Islamophobia and you failed to spend it, you will account for it in the hereafter. Every piece of property that Allah knows is excess to your needs, and you cannot fool Allah because Allah knows what your needs are, which you have splurged upon yourself and your family 
rather than finding the most qualified people to stand up to Islamophobia and supporting them financially, you will fully account for that every single dollar or dinar or dinar, whatever it is, dirham, in the final day. It is as stark as this. I cannot imagine the psychology of those wealthy people who donate millions of dollars to someone and say, we want you to dedicate your time full time to attacking the religion of Islam because honestly, I would donate, not donate money for any hate cause. I cannot imagine donating money and telling someone, go attack Christianity, go attack Judaism, go attack Buddhism. Because that type of hate comes from the devil, doesn't come from Allah. So how about when you are asked to donate money to stand up to the devil of Islamophobia, to resist the attacks that have beleaguered all of our children and every level, you, any of you, could easily become that family that has an accident, loses its children, and finds itself criminally charged because they simply said an Islamic expression in the age of Islamophobia. The standard is not difficult to understand. When you hadid Allah wa Rasul, whoever hates, is hostile to Allah and the Prophet, is not worthy of our trust. We should not believe anything they say. I don't understand why young Muslims will read the literature of people that they know have nothing but hate for Allah and the Prophet and allow this literature to cast doubt in their hearts. Their credibility is suspect. The simple fact that this is their attitude towards Allah and the Prophet should make you not believe anything they say. Ishad Manji just came out with a new book. I would categorize easily Ishad Manji as one of those people, Hadidullah wa Rasulullah. No Muslim, no rational, moral, ethical Muslim should even ha allow the presumption of credibility for someone like Irshad Manj. Because whatever she says is already suspect. And it all starts from the head. We must reconstruct our moral consciousness. Because when we first sold Jerusalem, around Jerusalem to be lost, that moral compromise then is now making us completely ignore Mecca and Medina and completely remove any moral or ethical standards. And as we learn 
to become unethical people, we become undone. We become defabulated, broken apart. As long as the Quran is there, the hope remains. Because it is our light and truth and our straight path. It can remind us of what darkness and light is, what right and wrong is. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه واتبعوا بإحسان إلى اليوم الدين اللهم يا رب علام الغلوب افتح لنا أبواب فضلك وانشر علينا خزائن علم وارحمنا برحمتك برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين الله we acknowledge in a day and age of our political weakness that it is only through your mercy and compassion and your grace that we can hold steadfast to the truth. I always pray that Allah keeps within my eyesight the basics of right and wrong, the very basics of ethics and morality. You see, the basics are the most obvious moral stands and the most obvious ethical positions. It is the most obvious that if someone is a racist and a bigot, that you don't, you don't pretend to be a good friend of the racist or bigot. You don't accept testimony from a racist or bigot. When you say it that way, it's rather obvious. But it is remarkable, it is remarkable how we human beings have an ability to ignore what is obvious. And as we ignore what is obvious, we skip over what is obvious because precisely we think it is too obvious. So we no longer think about it, as, as if we've got it under control. Very quickly become, we, we become confused because once we start adding layers and nuances because we forgot the basics, 
we become as if adrift, neither here nor there. This is precisely the state of so many Muslims. What is obvious is we, we will all die. What is obvious is that we will all meet the Day of Judgment, be in the Day of Judgment, and we will answer for our record. What is obvious is that you need Allah even to stand straight in the paradigm of gravity. Because even modern science tells you that all that is needed for all reality to unravel is but a single particle that we call the Higginbotham particle. So that creation is so intricately balanced that if something very small goes off keel, everything unravels. We know that. We know from quantum physics that at the subatomic level, particles and waves are not clear-cut categories. So by simple common sense, we know that the ethereal world is the world of the unseen is an all-embracing reality and that our existence in, is in but the material world is but four to five percent of all of existence and that's what modern physics say what is obvious is that if you make friends with immoral people in due course you will become immoral or at least confused about your morality. And that if you make friends with moral people, your morality becomes reaffirmed and anchored. What is obvious is if someone spends so much money on trying to destroy your religion, what is obvious is that Allah expects you at a minimum to spend as much money defending your religion. What is obvious is that Allah is going to hold responsible those who have the money because those who don't have the money don't have it. These are all elementaries, basics. Every person who has a large bank account that sees the world as it is today, it is obvious that if they are not troubled by their large bank account and they are not thinking and planning to spend it in countering Islamophobia, that they have a heavy burden to account for in the hereafter. Islamophobia has penetrated everything. Everything. It is the new crusade. The old crusades that Europe's launched 
14 different crusades and four major ones that Europe launched repeatedly, time after time after time, trying to occupy Jerusalem, which they did, and destroy Islam, which alhamdulillah they did. The new crusade speaks in terms of the language of the age. The old crusade, it was swords, axes, and flamethrowers, and ships. The new crusade is information. That is the biggest weapon of the age. That is the jihad of the age. Until now, it is as if we have been invaded, Muslims have been invaded by repeated crusades, and they sit around say it's wondering if a crusade is happening at all. When do we rise in defense in defense of all not in defense just of Islam, but in defense of all those who have made to suffer, where they're arrested on trumped up charges? or assaulted by ignorant people, or lost a relationship with their children because of this crusade, at what point do we wake up and say, I cannot meet Allah knowing that I have not done everything within my power to respond to this new ugly, vicious crusade launched by racists and bigots. Allahumma afu'anna. Allahumma ahdina. Muslih halala. Wansuri islama wa izza muslimin. Ya Rabbal alameen. Wahdina la akraba min hadha rashada. Ya Ali ya Azim. Waghfir lana zhubana. Wastur alayna. Wala tawdahna ya Allah. Allah, forgive us and guide us and bless us. Allah, allow us to see what is right, right, and to be ever vigilant about what is wrong. Assist us to overcome us, assist, in, assist us to overcome our own follies and weaknesses. For we have no guide and no help other than you, Ya Allah. Wa alaikum